Unshaken is a discipleship podcast that exists to edify and encourage all believers in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, the Apostle Paul writes, Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. By His divine power, Jesus has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So let's consider together how we might spur one another on towards love and good works. Join us as we talk about various topics, including the work of the ministry, the many joys and challenges of the Christian life, and the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised would guide us into all truth. We continue today in Walter Chantry's book, The Shadow of the Cross, picking up in chapter 5 entitled, Marriage and Self-Denial. In the middle of page 51 today of Marriage and Self-Denial, this is chapter 5 in Walter Chantry's book, The Shadow of the Cross, he writes, By marriage, two lives are fused into one. Our Lord Jesus Christ confirmed the actuality of this union when he said, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Matthew 19, 6. Paul recognized the identity of woman with man, in marriage, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, he says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. And I know last week we talked a lot about uh, the wives, the, the women, and their, their mm-hmm. roles, their responsibilities. And now we jump into uh, the, the men, mm-hmm. you know, the, the yes. husbands, and, and their role, their responsibilities, yes. and what God has called us to. And yeah, we talk, we're talking about today marriage as mm-hmm. as a a union right yes. to becoming one and not not just not just in the in the physical sense right mm-hmm. but but spiritually emotionally uh all around everything together i mean the the as you go on to read you know where he says rather paul as we go down well let's let's back up so take it alone, this phrase is ambiguous. It could be also it could be understood to mean that men ought to love their own their wives in the same way as they love their own bodies. But then he goes on and says, rather Paul is is riveting attention on the awesome reality of intimate conjugal union. His meaning is so men ought to love their wives as being their own bodies. So there is a connection there. You see the fact that how we treat ourselves, kind of the inference he's making is how we are to treat our spouses. Uh, He goes on to say, Paul's next sentence confirms this intent. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. As a matter of fact, your wife is your own body. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's the issue, even in Christian marriages, that there's a a separation. You know, uh, I try to explain when I do like premarital counseling or marriage counseling that, yes, we are independent individuals. You have your... um, who you are as John Akana. Uh, but when you get married, I, I, I call it an interdependence, where you're taking two different people from two different backgrounds, which what makes Christian marriages so unique and really fascinating is that only God can do that, where he takes people from different cultures, different ethnicities, different likes, dislikes, and, and, and intertwines them, and to call that one. Mm. I mean, you think about that. Really? I mean, one? And so I call it, as, as you get married, you're intertwining your interde- independence to becoming one, like an interdependence between 
the wife and the husband. And does it take happen to write me? No. I mean, no, it takes time. Right. And but it's it's like he says, it's a matter of putting yourself aside for the sake of getting to know your spouse. Like he says here, like we're talking about this with husbands, knowing your spouse as the way you, you know your own body and the way you treat your own body. And it's a lot of responsibility when you think about that. It's not something that is is simple. But again, God never calls us to do anything that we're not able to accomplish and mm-hmm. to succeed at. Right. And I like the point that he <clears throat> makes. He says, taken alone, this phrase is ambiguous. It could be understood to mean that men ought to love their wives in the same way that they love their own bodies. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the golden rule, yeah. right? love others <clears throat> yeah. or treat others the way you want to be yes. treated. But no, this is this is different. Yes, This is love your wife as your own body. She is your yeah. own body. As if she is part of who you are, yeah. connected to who you are. Yeah. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's, that's not the perspective that many have mm-hmm. uh, in the marriage relationship, in the Christian marriage relationship, because you, you can know that when you sit down and there's, there's marital conflicts and you do counseling, it's all about self-interest yep. a lot of times. Yep. And that's the counseling challenges or the counseling issues that, um, when, for me and myself, doing marriage counseling, it's a lot to do with self-interest. Right. You know? And that's got to be put aside for marriage to succeed uh, God's way. You yeah. know what I mean? And in the marriage relationship, if you're not loving your wife, you're not loving yourself. No. Yeah. And and I guess that works the other way around too, right? If you're not, if you know, in order to love yourself, you need to be yep. loving your wife. Yeah. Because you and her are one. You're one. And uh, we've talked about this before, and quite frankly, we don't have to work at loving ourselves. We no. we do that naturally. Yes. But in the sense of loving another, and and that being our spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that takes that takes work, you know. It's yeah. It's not it's not something that happens naturally because we talked mm-hmm. about love. You know, where, where Paul writes, "Husbands love your wives as as Christ loved the church." That's that's the the perspective on loving. Love your wives how as Christ loved the church. So I've said this often. It's not that we don't love. I mean, we love. It's a matter in in a marriage relationship. Uh, between husband and wife, it's learning how to love them, mm-hmm. and that's the that's the challenge that we have to uh, work at. And to love them the way Christ loved the church, it has everything to do with what Chantry writes here about denying self. Yeah, I mean, you cannot yeah. love your wife as Christ loved the church because if you look at Christ, it was all about dying, denying self for the sake of who those that would believe who he was, mm-hmm. and receive and accept the love that he had for those that he was. Uh, ministering to those that he talked with, and fast forward two thousand years later to you and I, uh, we accepted Christ as our Savior because we recognized the depth of the love that He had for us, in spite of the way we we are. Right, right. And so think about that and connect that to Christian marriages and your relationship with your wife. Your wife is going to do things that are not going to be so accommodating to you, and yet in spite of all that, Paul is saying. You still need to love your wife as Christ loved the church, in yeah. spite of that, and that's yeah. that's that's the challenge. That we and that's all about the the ability and the and the willingness to deny yourself, because mm-hmm. once self gets in the way, you forget it. Yeah, it's not going to happen. And I keep because it's fresh for me. I keep going back to how I've I've been a single person mm-hmm. for, for for a long time. <laughs> you know, leading up to this. Uh, current relationship that I'm mm-hmm. in, which is really headed towards marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, thankful for that. Uh, I'm realizing just how selfish 
I, I was, and I and I still am, and God is God is working on me in, in that regard. And it's like He says at the bottom of fifty one. Yeah. From the moment God brought the woman to Adam, He must think differently, yep. and that's exactly what I'm going through. Yeah. I'm learning to think differently. Yeah, you have to. That it's not. Oh, I can do whatever I want whenever I want with whomever I want yep. anymore. Like it, yep. it's just not that way. Yeah, and he and as you further, he go further on, and what Paul's what the author says there, he goes, he speaking of Adam must no longer think of himself in detachment from his wife. Mm-hmm. So she was his very body to nourish and cherish. Eve must be very central to all his considerations of time, employment, and thoughts. She must share in all in all as a wonderful part of himself. To be thoughtless of her would be a monstrous as neglect and abuse of his own body. She was henceforth a part of himself. And yeah, you have to rearrange all your priorities, yeah. um, what's important to you, and now, and, and you get it, like in your relationship with, with, with Jacelyn, it's no longer John, mm-hmm. but it's John and how can I be what she needs me to be as we move toward this um, marriage um, partnership that we're going to enter into, mm-hmm. and like he said, yeah, you you got to think differently. It's not yeah. no longer like that. And I'm I'm one of uh, out of all my friends, I feel like I'm I'm one of the last to get married, mm-hmm. and so I've seen them one by one get married, and just think to myself, oh, I'm never going to be like that. You get married, and then you're not hanging out with us any, <laughs> us guys anymore, and it's just, yeah. you're just no fun. <laughs> and as I'm in the middle of a serious relationship and with marriage being the goal, I'm, I'm seeing firsthand like, okay, yeah, this yeah. is a reprioritizing it is. and, you know, it's thinking differently, like he's saying mm-hmm. and putting, putting someone else before, before my own, yeah. you know? Um, and it's, it, it's just kind of funny. I think, I think that's uh, partly just God, you know, in, yeah. in his, you know, humorous sense, just <laughs> make making us feel like, oh, you know, oh, I thought we were, I thought we were homies, you know, I thought we were boys, yeah. and and now you 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 leaving us for a for a girl, but you know that's just part of life. Is I mean, what I'm realizing. If you think about it, though, you know, the the Bible talks about even going back to Genesis. Why did God create man and woman in the first place for companionship? Yeah, you know, that's the idea. That's mm-hmm. He created marriage for that purpose. Nobody wants to be alone. Um, unless, like I said, you've been given the gift of singleness, you have no interest in somebody of the opposite sex. Are there people out there? Yeah, there are. God uses people like that. But there are few and far in between. They're the, mm-hmm. definitely the exception, probably one half of one percent, I would say. <laughs> but most of us, we want to share a life with somebody. And the issue is that when we come together with somebody, I think the challenge that we have to face is realize now in this marriage relationship, there's no such things as inclusions. Exclusions between mm. husband and wife. Yeah, there isn't. Yeah, um, nothing is hidden. There's, it's, yeah. it's it's coming together and making sure that you have your best partner's interests at heart mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no excluding this, excluding that. For example, I play basketball every Tuesday night, but right. that's with my wife's support. Mm-hmm. If she ever said, "Hey, I don't want you to play," to, we have some, okay, that's fine. I can't say I'm sorry. I, I'm committed. I can't. I cannot not be there yeah um that's an exclusion say for my sake and that's a selfish interest because why i love the game of basketball but in marriage those are things to where you understand what's the greater priority what's more important Mm -hmm. the the, the need that my wife has of me same with her and the way us guys you know are with our brains you know being Mm -hmm. 
you know, compartmentalizing everything, <laughs> it, it, it makes it really yeah. challenging, it right? Does. To, it does. To disclose and yep. and to include yep. uh, the wife in in everything. Yep. Uh, but that's what that's what um, Adam had to do. Yep. You know, with Eve, he says Eve must be, or every wife for that matter, must be very central to all his the man's considerations yep. of time, yep. employment, and thoughts. Yep. She must share in all as a wonderful part of himself. Yep. And yeah, I think again the the challenging part is we we compartmentalize. Yep. We're not like females where everything is just so intertwined. Yep. And um, yep. that's something I know we we really seek the Lord for help in yeah, it's it is a challenge, and I mean, you know, it's it's a good challenge, but it is very true because mm-hmm. we don't think the way they think. We don't. We're not detail oriented. We don't remember, you know, special uh, first time events. You know, my wife knows. <laughs> I mean, all, she because you remember the first time I go, uh, uh. <laughs> no, she goes, you don't remember. I go, do you remember the first time I we held hands? I go. No, <laughs> and but she does. Yeah, she can remember all of those. I mean, certain you know special moments as we record, I do remember. For the most part, right. A lot of them I don't. You know, and I, and I feel like for for a guy, I'm pretty good with most most of those dates and those special yeah. occasions. But man, how like how taken back I am by the things that she considers special yeah. or the the events that she's able to recall, yeah. and it's like, dang, like. And it's very blank. And it's very different. You know, we can see now um things to them that are special and um memorable and Mm -hmm. important compared to what we feel is special, memorable, and important. It's very different. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that because the issue is that God has created the male and female so very different and Mm -hmm. there's a compliment that we have for one another. Right. And my wife wasn't mad or or, you know, things like she just was kind of like do you remember? And, and like, just like, I go, no, I don't even remember my name from yesterday to the day sometime, you know? <laughs> so, got to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And I just tell her, honestly, I don't remember. She goes, how do you not remember? Do you remember this? I go, no. <laughs> so, so, but you know, and she, and she laughs about it, but, but I, what I love about that is the, the creativity and the diversity that's there between a uh, husband and wife, you know, and how mm-hmm. you can really refresh each other Simply because you are that different, you know. Can you imagine yeah. if you're both exactly alike in interests and a lot of things? You would have a boring relationship. I mm. mean, that's the way I look at it. But yeah. I think because of that, you know, you're going to face challenges, and how we deal with the challenges um, help us to fight through those. Like you said, the the, the exclusiveness that we're not supposed to do. Right. It, and right. for guys especially, if you have a wife, let's say Jason's a very good communicator, they're gonna they're gonna force you. In a sense, when maybe force is not a word, but they're going to force you to open up, mm-hmm. and they're going to force you to be honest with yourself and sincere, and that's what you want. Because you yeah. know, for men, we can shut down. You know, we can exclude certain things because we don't want to discuss it. We don't want to go that way. We don't want to, you know, head in that direction. But for the betterment of your relationship. If you have a wife that's, and my wife is a great communicator, she doesn't like to keep things under stealth. Mm-hmm. She feels like if things are open and honest and transparent, then it builds a healthy relationship and allows me to be much more transparent of myself with her. I mean, people go, wow, but you you talk, man, you, you're a great communicator, you talk. Mm-hmm. But, th- but honestly, I tell my wife, and she says that to me sometimes, and I'll go home and I'll shut down. 
I'll say because some days I'm I'm verbalizing all the time, constantly talking. I just want to just shut down, and right. but I know I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like you said. You know, like you wrote, you meant you you talked about it. every Eve must be very central to all our considerations of time, employment, and thoughts. And I'm not always like that, right. because I'm my day here sometimes is very. Um, stre- not stressful, but very uh, strenuous. Yeah, and doing a lot of uh, talking, and I just want to go home and just shut down. Well, we'll mm. talk about how accountability fits into all of this because there are things I, I believe that aren't always profitable for for yeah. the wife to know. Yeah, and true. And as transparent and honest mm. we we look to be with mm. with the with our wives. Not everything again is yeah. is profitable. Not everything yeah. is is good, and mm. and um, you know, may end up being actually hurtful. Yeah, I, I th- for for myself, I mean, there's a lot of who I was before I met Michelle, and you have to use good judgment and and good um, discernment and be sensitive because certain things you can say to them could bring and open a can of worms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So <laughs> I know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So there's things that my yeah. wife does not know about my past because I don't feel it's conducive to our relationship. It's not gonna it's not gonna help anything. Mm. And um but a lot of stuff about me she does know. And she has and I've mentioned certain things about my behavior, certain things I did and and I brought it up way later in our marriage because we're more much older, much more mature and she and she was telling me, you know I'm glad you didn't tell me that early on because I mm. might have had a very different um, view of you. Yeah, you know, even though you're a Christian, I would think, man, you know, he was like that. And even even when we talk, she to show you how different we were in, in in growing up, or in my my rebel days, she would tell me, man, if I would have met you back then, I would have had nothing to do with you. That's what she told me <laughs> because um, I never was involved with people like that. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand. So, so certain things I don't mention to her, even past relationships. Other than she knows about my first wife because you know she, I met her not, not that long after uh, Roberta had passed. But other relationships, like in college, you know, girls that I used to go out with, you know, I don't, I don't feel it's important. It doesn't, yeah. It's not going to benefit her. It's not going to build her up. You know. So, but my, if she were to ask, if she then, were to ask, yeah. I would be honest with her, right. and she. She never has. In fact, I don't. I haven't even asked about previous relationships that she was in, other than mm. the person with whom she had Danielle with. I know Danielle's dad really well, but other people. Now, I did meet a, a former boyfriend in high school that we went to a function, and he was there, and he introduced. She introduced me to her, to him. I mean, and it was it was great. But as far as how they were involved, to what extent they were. Uh, together, I never asked her. You know, yeah. I felt like realized it didn't matter to me. Yeah. And if she wanted me to know, she would have told me more. So, mm. so I think I think you have to use um, good judgment. Why? Because you got to remember the the person that you are with, the woman is much more emotional, has a much more emotional bent than we do. We can let I think more things roll off our back than they will. They could yeah. take things very differently than what you mean, even though you're sincere. They may take it from a, in a different way that could cause not not hurt or, or or anger, but it could cause a different indifference on on how they look at you. So yeah. I think you still have you have to be careful. That's why you have guys. Yeah. That's why yeah. you have male counterparts within your life that you can talk with. You know, you can um, um, open up to, knowing that they got your they got your best interests at hand. 
Um, they're not going to ask all the details, you know, of something you're going through that you know you can't talk of this with your wife because it's a guy thing. It's something that she's not going to fully understand what I'm going through mostly, what I'm dealing with mentally. And uh, you talk with that person, and they're there to pray with you, to give you encouragement, and same for the wife. There's things that she's going to go through more so than us that she needs a female counterpart that she can talk to her that person about female issues that she's going to uh, uh, encounter later on in her life. She can't talk to you about them. Why? Because you don't, you don't understand them. Yeah, I, you know? I wouldn't get it. Yeah. You wouldn't get it. So that you know builds frustration if she's trying to explain to you something that she's going through and you're going, okay, <laughs> you know, and uh, it's going to, they're going to want that empathy. They're going to want that understanding. Yeah. But then, but they also yeah. want you to be able to know what's happening. That doesn't always work that way. Right. So kind of talking about, you know, that first paragraph, when you went on to the next, next one, it says, a pledge to take a woman for his wife commits a man to sharing life in its entirety. Man and wife are heirs together of God's uh, pre- gracious gift of one life, First Peter 3, 7. It demands of him selfless thoughtfulness of her. And, I mean, you know, we're just going back to this, this building, this unity of oneness between a man and a woman, a husband and wife, when they get married, um, there's no like I said, there's no exclusivity between both partners. It's this connection that you have uh, with one another. And like I said, you, like I said, I've talked with older couples that have been married a long time, like 50 years. And the sweet, the sweetest thing and the most enlightening thing is to see the the, the unity, the oneness, the commonality that these older um, married couples have that have been married, you know, 50, 55 years. It, mm. It's just and you want to be, I tell, I tell young people, hey man, get around somebody that's been married a long time and just watch them. Ask them questions because they have a wealth of knowledge they can impart to you, to, to me, I think, to help you to build a really good relationship, marriage relationship, because yeah. they've been there and they've gone through the pitfalls, they've gone through the challenges, they've had their problems, and they can tell you more often than not how they were able to continue to move forward. And of course, most of it is with God, but then they share the life experiences and you can't take nothing away from that mm-hmm. when you talk with somebody like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really, really good. I think of Ephesians chapter one, two, and Paul writes about all the the blessings that we've been blessed yep. with under the heavenly yep. places. And as a Christian couple, you know, two believers coming together, mm-hmm. it's, it's recognizing our place and our identity that's hidden in Christ. Mm-hmm. And... And getting to share that inheritance yeah. together, yeah. you know, yeah. um, that identity that I have is the same identity that she's taking on, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just a glorious thing when we get to celebrate what God has done yeah. in us and through us, and it's not just it's not just me, it's not just her. Now it's it's us together as one, mm-hmm. celebrating all that God has done. You know, the yeah. redemption, the forgiveness yeah. of sins, the the filling of, of his spirit, the indwelling and, yep. you know, all of those things. And it's, it's beautiful. And too, and on all that, you know, the fact that of the life that God's going to allow you to build together yeah, and, and the future and, and the seasons you're going to go through. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, and to me, that's exciting to know that I'm going to grow. I want to grow over this person. Yeah. I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. I want both of us to experience, like you said, what God has for us. You know, it's not what I want not right. what you want, but what God has for both of us. Yeah. And when you look at that, man, it's like, 
it's exciting. It's an exciting road to to consider that God's going to have you guys travel on. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. and you'll begin pretty soon. You know, what I'm saying yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. Um, going down to the last paragraph. I guess if we're going to try to get this chapter done, I mean, this chapter done in this one sitting, <laughs> you know, where and it says, when Adam and Eve had sinned, the Holy Lord did not at first address both marriage partners. Again, talking about responsibility, authority, the transparency that Adam was supposed to have in covering his wife, and, and the author brings it out here. He says, it was the head of the home whom he called to give an account. Yep. And when you think about that, even when there's, there's conflicts within the marriage relationship, God's going to say, hey, Bob, what are you doing? You know, hey, Bob and Michelle, I'm not going to, what are you doing, Bob? What are you, why? Because I've been called to be the head of the home. Mm-hmm. Even though we both have a part in finding a resolution to the problems that we're going to go through, and even though sometimes the conflict could be totally my wife's fault, mm-hmm. he's still going to come to me and say, so, Bob, what are you doing about this? It's mm-hmm. not, Michelle, what are you doing about this? Because yeah. even though, and, if, and the good example of that is because Satan deceived Eve. She fell to his deception. Adam was right there. Yeah. But the point of the matter is he didn't step in. He didn't do his part. And you would think logically that God would have said, Eve, what did you just do? I just gave a command to you and your husband. Why didn't you say, hey, Eve, Adam, you got to help me here, Mm -hmm. right? You don't hear that. She took it upon herself to supersede the headship of her husband, which is, you know, Satan using his devices. But nonetheless, even though she was the one that fell to the deception, he went after him. Yeah. So you think about that and how much that puts on you and I, um, myself and you in the future when you get married, the responsibility that we are the ones to making sure that we find um, the solutions to the different challenges that we face in marriage, working mm-hmm. with our with our spouses to have a a, a marriage that is that is um, good, a marriage that yeah. is we find we find uh, the trouble spots and how we iron those things out. But mm-hmm. it goes to us, right? You and know as, what I mean? As a husband, as as a father, yeah. and, and for me, it would be instant family, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. As, yeah. a, as a step stepdad, mm-hmm. there's really no no other option like than to to start every day yeah. at the feet of Jesus yeah. in the word and in prayer recognizing my own weaknesses yeah. and then how I need to be strong yeah. be strong in the Lord and in the power of his yeah. might Ephesians 6 yeah. says and then to do this why because my wife yeah. is is relying on me my my kids yeah. are looking to me for that example yeah. and I, I can't afford not to yep. start my day with him. Yep. And you figure you're the head of the home, and yeah. Satan knows that. Mm-hmm. So he's going to find the weakest link that he can work through to cause disruptions, to cause um, you know, uh, fissures and cracks within the foundation, whether yep. it's through your child, through rebellion, and doing things that they know they're not supposed to do, through a wife that maybe becomes real com- com- complacent within a relationship, not doing the right things. But like you said, starting your day off, you know, in devotion, in prayer, with your with your family, with your wife especially, yeah, yeah. then you, you eliminate a lot of loopholes and weak links within the marriage. That doesn't mean that Satan's not going to come, because we know he will. Yeah. He's relentless. He will never quit. He will never stop. 
Um, that's his that's his device in coming against us. But when the the families on that that same spiritual plane, there's a unity, and you guys are moving in that direction, then it's it's more difficult for Satan to to break through and define a, a situation to where you, you your your families have has some disruptions. Mm-hmm. Not that it's not going to happen, but there's going to be much more of an in understanding, wisdom, and discernment on how to deal with them. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. Yeah, I mean, as a head, he'll come after you, of course. Mm-hmm. But because I've been in ministry a long time, and I know the stuff that my family went through when I was uh, working the church and established a church in Kentucky, he came after my wife and my kids, man, big time. Yeah, and caused a lot, a lot of trying to do collateral damage. As a father, I had to go in there and try to sort out the pieces and bring some, um, some calm and some organization to what he was trying to disrupt and it's not it's not even you know it's not easy when you're working full-time you're trying to build a church and i'm not home as much as i would like to be because of those responsibilities i'm not using that as an excuse but it is what it is and when it happens you have to be there to be resilient and define uh, a source of bringing order to something that he's trying to destroy yeah and it's and and like you said you're stepping into a ready-made family yeah and it's a humbling endeavor because yeah there's going to be those moments those situations where you're looking at it and it's like this is not my fault you know (laughs) i'm not the one that got us here you know in into this mess and and yet god is showing me and teaching me real quick that you know i need to humble myself and i need to take ownership of that and whatever it is you know um Saying I'm sorry, yeah, and and making those apologies to you know my my family, my my wife, mm-hmm. and and just taking ownership of it and and prayerfully considering, Lord, how can I how yeah. can I do better? How can how can we avoid running into these conflicts yeah. in, in the future? And I know guys like to it's common in in marriage relationships for the guy just to use those two words, I'm sorry as a diffuser yeah. rather than it's like, no, I, I'm, I'm genuinely yeah. sorry and, yeah. and apologetic for allowing, allowing this yeah. to happen. And, and, you know, in time <clears throat> when you get married, your, your, your wife is going to know the sincerity of an apology or not. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. I mean, my wife knows as well as myself when I'm sincere and when I'm not. And when I tell her, I'm sorry, it's, it's sincere. I mean, I've been married 34 plus years. She, <laughs> she can figure me out. I can't pull the wool over her eyes. But you know what? I mean, in, in, in all in all, you know, we, I'm blessed. We have a, a good relationship. We don't have a perfect one. We have our moments. We have our days. But it's because of the fact that over 34 plus years, we have made Christ the most important person within our, in our marriage, Has in our be. family. Yeah. And, and we know that. We talk about, about it from time to time of the things that we want, have gone through with our children, that if it wasn't for Jesus and us putting our, our all of our um, efforts on, on, him, on him and in him and to rely upon him for the stuff that we, were, we faced with our boys, um, we probably wouldn't have lasted in marriage. We probably oh, no, I know my parents would say the same. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't yeah. be together, and we know that. Yeah. And so, you know, even in those things, what's, what's beautiful is coming together and, and forming a united front spiritually and instead of allowing the manipulation to separate my wife and I in the conflicts of battle it was able to come together and, and develop a united front and so okay how are we going to deal with this mm-hmm. so my wife would go you're the head 
I'm, I'm going to put this to you. Other times she'll say, we need to sit down and talk about how we're going to deal with this situation, which was really good. Yeah. You know, good learning, yeah. lesson, good learning lessons for both of us. Well, what does, what does Adam do in Genesis 3? He, he plays the blame game. Yep. And he, <laughs> he turns it on Eve. That's, yep. his, that's his initial response to yep. God. And, you know, he says, the woman whom thou gavest to me, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, right? Genesis 3.12 yep. on the oh. bottom of page 52. And he says on the top of 53, Adam's self-defense for his sin was a mental divorce of Eve. Yeah. And I never thought of it that way yeah. in all my times of reading through Genesis yeah. and the creation account. It's like, man, his self-defense for his sin, his justification was a mental divorce from his wife. Yeah. And he, he basically just threw her under the bus yeah. and took zero responsibility yeah. for her actions. Yeah. Uh, his, as yep. well as his, yep. you know, because he, he took the fruit and, and ate of it too. Yeah, like I said, he was there, you know. Um, he had to have been there because it, it says right after she partook, she turned and gave it to him. Yeah. So he had to be there while this whole uh, fiasco was happening. But yeah, I never thought about that, that as well, a mental divorce. But then uh, he goes on to say, the author, then he justified himself by shifting all blame to her yep. to rescue himself. He humiliated, he humiliated and endangered her. What had become of the lofty recognition that the two were one flesh. Mm. And, you know, that's pretty, I mean, for the author to say that, yeah. dude, that's radical. That's pretty radical, but it's very, very true because yeah. he did. He He totally, you know, he jacked with her her whole uh, being, yeah. saying that, what did you do? And what do you mean, what did I do? I mean, yeah. and, you know, I, I'm certain Eve felt bad in the moment when all of that came down. But like you mentioned, Adam didn't take one um, responsibility for what happened. Yeah. Wow. He, he individualized the whole situation. Yep. Yeah. And that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty heavy for what, and you know, and it's good because it lets us also, it gives us a really good perspective of how we need to always cover our spouses no matter what, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And our wives are good at picking up stuff. Yeah. You know, they're going to know when they feel like you you jack with them and you, you kind of like got them, let them get run over by a Mack truck. Like, what, dude, I can't believe you just did that to me. Yeah. And this book is all about self-denial. Yeah. But here we, we see the fallen man in his mindset, it, it fully exposed his self-centeredness. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. It says, and it's, he follows that up with saying, throughout the history of our fallen race, men have abused women rather than nourished and cherished them. Mm -hmm. Selfish cruelty to wives has provoked self-defense in women and driven them to carnal responses in kind. Mental divorce of woman by the man is at the root of marital grief. Yep. And yep. you, I'm sure you see that all the time in yeah. your counseling sessions. Sure. Yeah, I mean, in like I said, in counseling sessions, it's a lot of self-interest. Yeah, you know, he said, she said, and I gotta go time out. What do you mean? He said, she said. You both are one, and I try to remind them of that. Hmm. That, but what did Jesus mean? I asked them when he said, "What God has joined together, you know, leave a man, leaves his mother and father, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." And when God has joined together. Let not man take it apart. In other words, don't let man destroy that which God sanctified and consecrated. And you're taking it apart by your own self-interest because you're not showing any type of concern for the for one another, for that matter, either one. 
I, I can honestly say, though, in, in most of the counseling appointments or, or marriage counseling that I do, it's usually um, the wife that comes in feeling really um, disrespected and, and no esteem. Mm. When I say no esteem, they don't feel the husband cares about them. And so, you know, you ask the questions and the, like I said, the main thing is, well, she does X, Y, Z. She doesn't do this. And this. there we go. So in other words, you're putting expectations on your wife that you want her to meet in order for you to love her as Christ love the church. Hmm. So then my next question is, can you show me in the Bible where it says that? Yeah. And they can't. Yeah. And I tell them, you know, the issue is not, you don't love her because she does this or when she does this or that. You love her in, in spite. You love her no matter what. I mean, yeah. read First Corinthians chapter 13. It's pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. And yeah, there are days that we don't want to love one another. There's, there's nothing wrong with having those moments, but still, we're to love them regardless. And as hard as that is when your wife is driving you cuckoo and crazy because of certain things that may not uh, fit your agenda or satisfy what you want them to do, it doesn't say that we love them when those things are ironed out. It says we love them despite that, no matter what. But that's the mentality of our world yeah, today. Everybody's asking, what's in it for me? Exactly. What do I get out of this? Yep. And if I'm going to love you, you better reciprocate that yep. love, or else, yep. you know, heck with this. And, 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 I, and I point, yeah, and I point that, I said, listen, can you imagine if Jesus said that on the cross? Oh, man. If he, he said... He'd be in trouble. Yeah, I go, but he didn't. He said, for all the Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And then he says, it is finished. What was finished? The, the whole work of salvation was done through his finished work upon the cross. What does that mean to you? Well, Ephesians chapter 5, you know, and Paul wrote, I speak that this is a great mystery. What mystery? The fact that Christ was willing to die for you and I, the mystery of the cross, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, meaning the same commitment Christ had in his love for the church by dying on the cross sacrificially, unpretentiously, not knowing anybody to accept what he did. He's saying that's how you just treat your spouse in marriage. How do you love her? Usually at that point, there is no conversation. And I go, I'm not here to make you feel bad, guilty, condemned. I'm just telling you, your wife is a responder. If there's nothing for her to respond to, then that's why you're not getting anything out of the marriage. She responds to how you make her feel. And when a wife loses the emotions in that tank, that's a dangerous place for a, for a wife to be, a woman to be. Because why? She's going to find it elsewhere. Satan will yeah. work, and she'll go to work one day, and somebody will say, hey, wow, you, you look really nice today. And her thoughts by Satan whispering her, well, my yeah. husband never tells me that. Yeah. And what starts off as a platonic, innocent compliment, now for a wife that's never getting any connection from her husband, becomes now an emotional connection, yeah. and that's dangerous. And I tell husbands that all the I say when I listen, if your wife's tank is empty, do you better fill it up. And I'm not saying your wife's going to go on you, but I'm saying you're putting yourself on dangerous grounds because mm -hmm. she's not getting from you what she needs. Mm -hmm. And Satan will use that to get it for her to get it from somebody else. I'm not justifying that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm telling you the truth because Satan is out to destroy marriages. And they sit there and they kind of like, you know, they don't, there's nothing for them to say. I'm just saying, love your wife, dude. How long have you been married? I talked to a couple. I married. A, I did a marriage counseling a long time ago. They've been married 34 years. The wife came in, sat down, had the look on her face, I go, what's up? He goes, we have nothing. I go, what do you mean? He has done nothing in this relationship for the past 20 years. And his attitude was like, well, if it's not broken, why fix it? Hmm. And, and, and I said, you guys, do you build any traditions in your marriage? Do you do anything? And she said, no, in the beginning it was great. I mean, everything was great. But then he got to a place to where he got very complacent and just would not invest anymore in this marriage. And she basically said, I'm out. I'm done. 
she didn't, and, but anyway, long story short, I gave them stuff to do. I told them, do you, do you hear what your wife's saying? So what is your response to her? Yeah. What are you going to do what, about what, it? What's yeah. your response to her? She's, she's part of who, who you are. And anyway, good part is that he began to invest. He began to show her affection. He, she said there was no affection. He wanted intimacy. And so I gave it to him, but there was nothing on my end. I, I, and I just said, do you hear what your wife is saying to you right now? She's satisfying your need at her expense, but you don't care how she feels. And he felt really, and then, anyway, long, they're doing great now. It's about seven, yeah, they're doing yeah. really well. They come here. But you see what I'm saying? That's how the mentality of, like you're reading here, how we just disengage from our spouses. And like you said, what is it, what is it in for me? Mm-hmm. It's nothing for you, dude. I mean, what are you talking about? It's not about what you get, it's what you give. And that's how you get back from the relationship is your willingness to give because Jesus himself says more blessed to give, Acts 20, 35, than to receive. Amen. And when you give, especially as a guy to your spouse, guess what? You're going to receive a whole lot more back than you mm. think. Mm-hmm. So it's the beauty of marriage. When you are doing what God has called you to do, man, you, you're going to have the greatest um, marriage in the sense of satisfaction and, con- and contentment when we are doing the things that God has commanded us to do by loving them you know, unconditionally. Yeah. Nowhere has selfishness done more damage than in homes. God's fundamental building block for society is now displaced by self-assertion. Wives are too self-important to minister to their husbands. Their own names and careers are too significant for life to be wasted in helping husbands and living for them. Mm -hmm. Husbands are too self-absorbed to share all of life with their wives too self-centered to be thoughtful of and loving towards their spouses. Wisely, the scripture returns to the center point. And it's simple. Wives mm. submit, yeah. husbands love. When you, when you read that, right, and it sounds so easy, hmm. but if you think about the culture we live in, the, the time we're living in, we are so self-absorbed in things outside that take away the time that we need to have or consider the importance of loving our wives no matter what. Right under that paragraph, it says, Peace and joy will be encountered in any home where there is found a submissive wife and a solicitous husband. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really um, kind of profound, but not, you know, it's a a real truth that uh, Walter Chantry brings out. Because if you think what we want in our home, this is exactly what we want. We want peace and harmony within our home that brings joy, you know, in our relationship with one another, yeah. That's it. And he puts it simply at the end of that same paragraph, women must deny self to help and support husbands, Mm -hmm. and men must think first of the well-being of their beloved bodies, Mm -hmm. their wives. Yeah. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. But again, it takes takes work. It takes effort and intentionality uh, because, like we've said time and time again, we're we're self-centered. Yeah. uh, you know, by by nature, we're we're just mm-hmm. naturally bent towards self. Yeah. Well, you figured before you you got we got saved what we what we were all about self. Yeah. Our self interest, what we want to do, where we want to go, mm-hmm. and in in the process, we didn't care who got in the way, who we who we ran over, even even sometimes you know who we hurt, as long as we were gratifying what we want to do and what we want to gain. Yeah. So like we talked about and you mentioned earlier, you know, in, a, in previous broadcast, it's an upside down relationship that we have with Christ, you know, compared to what the world sees, especially in marriage as well. Yeah. You know, like you said, you know, marriage in, in the in the secular perspective is 
what can I get out of this? You know, I'll give, but what are you going to give back to me? Yeah. Where in Christianity, it's like, no, what am I going to give? And knowing that I may not get anything back in return. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's very different, yeah. you know? And he says on the top of 55, how soon marriage counseling sessions would end yeah. if husbands and wives were competing in thoughtful self-denial. And whenever Pastor Daryl in, in service teaches on on marriage mm-hmm. and marriage relationships, I love how he always goes back to outdoing one another yep. in, in love. Yep. You know, the husband looking at his bride and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out-love yeah. you today. And, yeah. it, it, and it turns into this beautiful competition as yeah. she tries to out-love him and outdo him in, in loving things. Yeah. And that's the way it's supposed to be. It's, it's like, what can I do? You know, when you think about marriage, especially talk about marriages, you know, what can I do to improve the quality of my spouse's life? That's the outdoing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. You know, what can I do to improve the quality of her life? How can I make her life m- more easier? That's what a servant does, and yeah. that's what we're supposed to do. So consider how much more important and valuable is that within the marriage relationship. And the thing about it is not waiting for our wife, and I'll put it this way, for our wife to start the initiate that, because that's not what she should be doing. Yeah. We are the initiator. We should be initiating that, and that's as right. we're doing that, you know, she's going to respond. She's going to come back and respond. Why? Because she sees the effort you're putting forth to do the very best to make her life um, comfortable, to make her life um, connected to you, feeling a part of who you are. And that's what we're supposed to do. She's supposed to feel really important, secure, protected in her relationship that we are to have with her. But that's the problem we have in the church today. So many men just not taking initiative. Yeah. They're not rising oh, yeah. up. Yeah. Well, we know that. You look, you look in the church, How who's serving more in the church? <laughs> it's the women, man. <laughs> right? I've been doing ministry for a long time, and even back when I was serving under Pastor Rawls Church. The women outdid the men in, in serving and different opportunities and volunteership three to one. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. That you know, is I mean, so terrible. Yeah. Uh, you, you look at look at VBS coming up. we got VBS coming up two mm-hmm. weeks. You're going to see who is more out there volunteering is going to be the women yeah. than the men. Shouldn't be like that. It should be the men should be like you said, setting the example, setting the initiative, getting out there and outdoing uh, the women when there are opportunities. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, but it's um, it's almost embarrassing mm-hmm. when you think about the call that God's placed upon us as men in the work of and the labor of the kingdom. But we have a lot of women doing that. Not that men aren't, but there are more men women involved than the men are. I've even heard of some churches with women pastors because there's no man and that's, stepping up. You know, and that is that is really sad that be the case. Yeah. That men will not step into the place of what they're called to do to, to minister and to preach the word of God. And just like the example, you know, of Deborah. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. You yeah. know, uh, Merrick goes, well, I'll go if you go. And because nobody was taking initiative, Deborah says, I'll do it, but you gotta come with me, talking mm-hmm. about Barak. And so yeah. it happened. But again, God will use whoever. If he can't find a man, then he'll use whatever to get the work done. Right. Even though it goes outside the bounds of what we know is is biblical, not that God can't use women, but it's sad, like you said, when there is not a man that step up and God's going to place a woman in the place of something that a man is supposed to be doing. Right. God just wants the job to get done, and he use whatever. Yeah. But it is, like you said, that's Shame a true statement. That is, that's men. really, yeah. exactly. And then as we, as we wrap up, there's yeah. a... Another page and a half here. 
Uh, middle of 55, I like this. He says, the school of Christ is the finest training ground mm-hmm. for living as husband and wife. In choosing a spouse, self-denial should be yep. a characteristic that is sought after. Yep. Not the good looks, yep. not the the yep. physique and the wealth and yep. career. Yep. I mean, those, those are sadly at the top of people's yeah. lists. Expectations. Yeah. I think, you know, and I believe as a, as a single man or, or a, a female, you should be looking for somebody that has God at the top of the list. They love God and you see it in them. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the selflessness that they, they exhibit and how they treat other people, what they do. That's what you want in a in a, in a spouse, you know. Yeah. You can have the good looks, but like they say, beauty is only skin deep. You know <laughs> what I mean? And, and it doesn't matter. I mean, some of the most beautiful people you come across are that there are those that are deeply in love with Christ. And you can't go wrong with that. That's right. You're going to have a solid foundation and you don't want to have to build, you know, from nothing because the person you thought would be a godly man or woman is completely not what you expected. And, you know, that's why it takes time, prayer, because a person, especially a guy, can put on the air of Christianity, right, to get and captivate the heart of somebody he's interested in. But once you get married and, and all the other stuff comes out, it's, that's why it takes patience. You wait mm-hmm. upon the Lord to bring that right person uh, across your path and into your life for a lifelong relationship. You want to spend them with them. You know right. what I'm saying? And that's why he says, who better suited to wedlock than men and women yep. who've already died to self? Yep. Already they live to serve and please another with a capital A, yep. right? Christ, yep. rather than selfish desires. Yep. Even now, they deny legitimate self-interests to wait upon one, capital O, mm-hmm. to whom solemn vows have been made. Mm-hmm. For him or her, they daily take up a cross. And then he references Philippians 2.3, mm-hmm. esteeming others better Everything than themselves. Mm-hmm. Colossians 3.13, forbearing one another, forgiving one another, mm-hmm. and you know, exemplifying all the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22-23. Yep. That's what you want in a in a and it, and you know like I said you build upon that you find somebody that has that um, character within their nature and who they are you can't go wrong mm-hmm. you and, know and even more importantly making sure that you the one seeking that out are are working on these things that's, as well that's, that's who you are yeah like I said when I met Michelle you know my main thing was that she loved the Lord that was my main focus I didn't care about you know what they look like i mean you do to a certain extent but it's not a priority you want somebody that loves jesus christ and you see it in them when you talk to them you can tell um the deep love they have for the lord and that's to me that's what's most important you know is when you have that then you have a great building box to work with already you know yeah. you can't go wrong amen